Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Bridget. And I'm Colleen. And today is part two of our two-part talk with Ginger Z, the chief meteorologist on ABC's Good Morning America, and her new book, A Little Closer to Home, which she named after her tagline that she says on her weather updates or her meteorology reports on Good Morning America. And as we said in our first episode, if you haven't caught it yet, make sure you listen to it, uh, to part one. In this book, she really is raw. She really is vulnerable. She shares a lot about her mental health issues and about her suicide attempts and about therapy and seeking therapy and how she is still in therapy. And so many people are, and the stigma is being taken away from that. Thank goodness, because so many people need therapy. I think another thing that stood out was that she kind of did the analogy with Tinder, where when you're trying to find a therapist, you could swipe right or swipe left. Yes. It's really hard to find a therapist that is going to connect with you. She would love to make that a little easier nationally and have maybe a directory of what yes. you, you know, what are your specific needs? Because it kind of is like dating. Do you like to talk in the morning or do you like to talk in the, and are you a specialist in this field? And are you, right. you know, do you deal with anxiety and depression? So I really, you know, we are happy to help in any way to promote that with her. She talks about recovery from storms too, and how she sees a lot of the grief, kind of like the five stages of grief. It applies similarly to traumatic events that happen in your life. She just really has so much wisdom for her 41 years. So we will let her do the talking. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Have you pressed that little red button? Because you don't want to miss a moment. We have some really cool things coming up, especially in the month of March. We can't tell you yet, but it's going to be a really cool month. So make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you're getting our newsletter, which you can sign up for on our website, hotflashescooltopics.com. Pop-up will show up and you just put your email in. And with that, we are going to let Ginger Z take over. Setting a boundary, which for her own mental health was really right. important. She's yeah, always right. been very good about that. And that was a that was the first kind of teachable moment. So between her and then my husband, when I met my husband, thankfully I had already been in the hospital. I had been in intensive therapy. So I was already learning the tools, but I was so grateful because I met someone who was going to keep teaching me. And he's like the ultimate instructor in boundaries almost too much, which I think he needed my help with. Uh, but we were a great match at that time because, and he always says to people, she broke up with me twice. And I'll say, no, I, I mean, first of all, no, we went on two dates. You can't break up with someone when you went on two dates, honey. That's, he's so intense. That was why I broke up with him. But it was also because he set the boundary very clearly from the beginning. And he let me know what he required and what he expected. And I knew in that moment, I could not, be that. And so I knew, and it was the first time I made a choice that I didn't want to make. Cause in any other case, I would have lied to him. I would have just gone with, you know, just hope he doesn't find out that I'm kind of still dating that other guy. What I was finally just saying, I'm not ready to do what you need. And I respect you so much for saying that. And in that respect, I'm going to add the beginnings of love. And that is to not do you wrong. And so then it was like that, you know, he and, and the persistence of both of us, because we both really knew that this was a good fit. It just was the timing and needed a, about a year before I was able to be ready to be the type of love he needed and the type of love I could 
finally accept. How did he feel when you, you decided to write the book, the first book? He's so proud. My husband's one of the strangest men I've ever <laughs> been around because this is a guy who, from the beginning, loved hearing about my past, whether it was friendships, boyfriends. He just, he finds, when you talk about like a whole love, because I know that only dogs can unconditionally love, like all love is conditional because we can't do that, right? We all live differently, but but whole love, I'll call it. He loved every single ounce of me. He dreams of going back in time and seeing me in this place. Like, and, and, and he loved asking questions. And I, I've only told the story a couple of times, but I think it's really telling. And it was pretty early in our relationship. I had, this is, this is a lot, but I had done a story on a male model and that male model, I had done the story because male modeling is the one of two industries where men make less than women. And I just found that really interesting. And it was, you know, and I mean, yes, I wanted to meet him. I had seen him <laughs> <laughs> extra benefit. And he was wonderful. He's still, he's such a great guy. And, and we hit it off. We went on a couple of dates. We lightly dated, I would say for on and off for four or five months. Right. And then I had met my husband and I, that guy called cause he kind of, Oh, he traveled so much. And he said, um, I'd love to get, you know, let's go out sometime. I was like, I met someone and I'm, I'm with someone. And it was a very powerful moment for me, first of all, to say no to the top model guy, <laughs> but also cause I was so sure of the respect and boundaries that I was in that I didn't, I wasn't worried about that. And I had found love in myself and love for him. So fast forward my husband knew I did that story with him. And so when he would be in Bloomingdale's trying on clothes or he'd be somewhere else, he'd see a picture of him. He'd take a picture and be like, it's your buddy. Like, but he didn't know we dated. And so it just, it was a little bit, it just got weird because like after the third time he saw him on a bus or something, he's like, Hey, it's your buddy. And I'm like, <laughs> I gotta tell you. Um, so like we, we dated a little bit. So just, and, and instead of getting jealous or feeling inferior, my husband was like, tell me he's like brilliant too. And I'm like, yeah, he kind of is. Right. And he's like, tell me, he wanted to know more so much so that then I forgot how we were at an event somehow. And you know, this guy was there. I introduced them. They follow each other on Instagram. They start DMing their buddies. We go to dinner, the three of us. I'm like, who is this guy? But that security and who he was and who we were even the top male model in the world couldn't penetrate that. And you want to find attraction in someone and you want to find uh, trust and love and you trust me enough. And I trust, you know, there is such boldness in what he does there um, that I love it. And that's, that's been the foundation of a lot of before the book, you know, he knew everything. The hard mm -hmm. part about reading this book was that he knew everything over the first couple of years of us, you know, dating, to put all the stories together, that was hard for him to read because it's hard to read that someone you love got hurt. But other than that, he was good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, plus, hey, he, he got you over a top. Right, exactly. <laughs> Whenever yeah. he says you broke up with me twice, I'm like, yeah, then I had two kids with you and gave up on top model. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so who won out? Really? There yes. you go. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's still doing fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Were you concerned with, um, because you are a public person, were you concerned at first with the books, how they were going to be perceived by your, you know, people you work with? with, you know, the audience? 
The first book, absolutely. I thought I, before it went to print, I thought I'm, I'm going to lose my job. They're going to be like, even though they knew most of, you know, the, the people that mattered knew that I was writing it. I don't think they'd read off every word. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then nobody's going to hire me after that. Cause I'm that girl that went to the hospital. Right. And I was having kind of these like freak out moments. And my husband said, stop, you are going to make a change. If this book wasn't going to rile somebody up, then it wouldn't be worth publishing. So he's like, so you got to take that. And it was the first time of really saying at this executive level of people pleasing that I'd been living at for most of my life. It's the first time I was saying, I'm going to show you who I am. And I guess I don't care what you think because I can't because I put it in a book and it's going to print tomorrow. So it was kind of this forced rip of a bandaid of doing it. And then the power of doing this of to this level is so I, I can say anything now. And of course, you know, there's, I don't care what other people, I found the approval. It's in me. And if they want to fire me because of, or if somebody wants to not watch me because that's their choice. But I found the reaction to be quite the opposite in that I have connected to so many people because I have been transparent, vulnerable. That allows people to come in closer. And at the end of it, I was asking my therapist, why you know, why don't more people should do this? Like we got to get people out there. And I had someone ask me in an interview. Um, yeah, but if you didn't have this platform, would anybody care if you wrote a book, would anybody like, would you do it? Because you wouldn't be able to sell a book. And I'm like, it's a good question. Yes. I would still write. I would find that to be incredibly important. Do I think everybody needs to go writing all their deepest secrets and then sharing with the world? No, but I think it's powerful to do so. I think this platform, this is my purpose. This is my job to do this. I think I have to do this. I think sharing my story, I'm safe. I'm in a safe place. I know people are going to love me. I know people are going to hate me. For 20 years, I've dealt with the, the public part of it. And I am the one that is powerful and has a shell around me from, from that practice of learning my truest identity, thanks to social media and everything else. I'm good. So I, I actually asked Nick Cannon, I was on his show because he's very open to, and he lets people into his life and he talks to, about therapy and men getting into therapy. And he said the same thing is I said, isn't that wild that we're safe? We're, we, we're in this place. And he's like, and that's why we have to keep doing it. And I was like, yes, we do. You know? And um, so even though people think it's brave, I actually think it's the opposite. I think we're really safe. And I think it would be brave if someone who didn't have this position was able to come with and do it too. Yeah, I think it's just so helpful because so many people mm -hmm. have gone through this and they are so scared to admit it. Mm -hmm. But I think when they see a public figure yeah. come out with this and just reveal things that they've gone through, it's so important to not feel alone in situations. Mm -hmm. It is so important. And, and you also, it just reminded me when you said someone that may, be, may not be as well known, we interviewed, was it Christy Tate? that wrote the book about, uh, yes, group, about her group therapy experience. And we talked to her and she said, I just wanted, I wanted to sell five books. I wanted to give a reading and have six people show up. And it ended up being on Reese Witherspoon's Mm. Uh, list. Yeah. It, it's a great book. Um, it's so, you know, she wrote her truth and yeah. didn't know if anybody was going to buy it or not, but did it. And but that's she's, the power yeah. of it too, is yes. sharing your story. And even if only the six people read it, there would be, right. that. it wouldn't matter. It would be six people, which is more than the one that was living with all of that by themselves. Right. And right. so extending your silo outside of it. And if I can inspire one person to just write me a DM and then me to say, Hey, have you found anybody to talk to about this and have that one, which has been well beyond it is so well worth it. 
Mm-hmm. That was my question to you. Uh, next was with all the DMs that you get, what do you mm-hmm. say to them? Because with that comes a responsibility that you feel, okay, they're sharing this. Where do I lead them? Where do I suggest? So what do well, you I'm not, do? A, I'm not a doctor. So I always make right. sure to say that to cover myself because the last thing I want is some sort of legal implication that I helped with something. And, um, but in a supportive way of just being a random person on the internet, me, um, I just usually, it depends on what their message said, but if they are in that darkest place, then I always provide. And, and, and I include some context. Like I think people don't know what the suicide hotline is. They have no idea what they would get if they went there. And really it is a scripted series of questions so that you can get funneled to the hospital if you need to, to find whereabouts of where you are. And, and I think being informed about what that is, I, you know, I can answer questions about that because I have, I have learned how to communicate my science of the atmosphere. I'm learning. And I think I have a talent in communicating other sciences, including psychology and the setup of of it. And so then the second thing I will usually is just encourage them to speak to someone and to speak to anyone, anyone in their life. And it doesn't matter someone that they can touch or see, you know, that's not on the internet. And sometimes that works. Sometimes they say, do you know, you told me to do that. And I went and spoke to great. You know, that's all the beginning of, and once they've put the words to it, they've already written them down to me. Now it's right over here. And then I encourage them to write and I encourage them to, um, if, if it's to that level, I always say, go to the hospital. People don't realize they can go to the hospital. You can go to the hospital. That that's what they're there for, you know, and people do the game of, well, I, I, I'm not that bad. What are you talking about? If you're having thoughts of taking your life or hurting other people, you're there. It's worth it. It's not going to be fun. It's not like set up like club med, but it will be, it will be the impetus or the change of your life. And I even have one woman who's been writing me recently and she said, I did that once and it was such a horrible experience. And I said, I understand they're not all fantastic experiences. Um, but if you're there, it's a safe place. And that's the most important part. And that's what the suicide prevention hotline is for is to get you to a safe place and to be able to start talking. So I think that's where I just leave it at the beginning. And then other people, it's something easier. It's something more manageable where they're like, how did you get through right after an assault? And and I can't believe you made me think about it. I've gotten a couple of those. You made me go back and realize that that was something that happened to me and I really did push it off. And now what? And then the same way where I say, you know, this, this may not be impacting their everyday or they don't think it is, but I say to them that they need to find some professional help to work through it because that's the most important thing to do is uncover it and clean that wound out. The honesty that you describe in the book, it really resonates with a lot of people because especially by the time you reach midlife, we have had experiences. We all come to the table with our own life experiences. And I think sometimes people just think, all right, well, that's the past. I don't want to talk about the past. It's not, it's just part of my history, but your history bleeds into your present and your future. Well, all the time. Yeah. I I caught up with a a woman that I went to college with and that a lot of this this book takes place, you know, the the rape in college and her and I, I would never, we weren't, we were acquaintances. I wouldn't call us friends. We certainly knew each other well enough to remember. And we've kept in touch just for professional reasons here, like every couple of years or something, she'll say, Hey, congrats on this. And I'll write her, right. That's what social media does for you. But she wrote me after she read my book and she, she said, can we talk? And I was like, absolutely. I want, I'd love to speak to you because 
it helps me piece together parts of who I am and why I was or what I did. And I love what we both loved hearing was our rendition of who the other person was in their mind. You know, this person, she not only was shocked to know these things had happened, but, but that I was feeling that way. Cause of course, back then, and, and what we said yesterday when we spoke was, I just wish we would have talked then. I wish you would have come up to me and say, I wish I could be more like you. I want to get my S together. That's what she always felt like. I, I really had it together there and I was so driven. I knew what I was going to do, which was somewhat true, but I was falling apart on the inside. And yet, you know, and, and then she had kind of um, maybe kind of the opposite. She felt like she wasn't focused on her schoolwork. Think of what we could have done for each other back then. And she had the best line. She said, I want to go back and hug you then, but I really want to hug you now. And it was like, huh, you got to write a book. Yeah. 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 What would you you like to see come next um, personally and professionally with, you know, I know you spoke about wanting to create some kind of national almost directory. Yes. So what would you like to see happen next? I mean, getting that, getting, getting the ability when someone goes to drug or alcohol rehab, we all say good for them. I want not only the place to be able to go for rehab, like, like the numbers of clinics that are out there for drugs and alcohol, um, both for people who don't have financial ability and right. So access for all, but also the stigma of it to be less, to be able to say good for them. They went, they went to an inpatient mental health clinic for a week. Good for them. Um, I would love for workplaces. And now I don't know how much hope I have for this because we can barely have a baby and get paid time off. But, um, but could we do that? Because men also suffer from this, so I hope that the uh, the energy gets put there. I would love for I would love to be a part of talking about men having responsibility in prevention of unwanted pregnancy, or um, that would be another headline I'd love to see change. Why, you know, there could be a drug that could change fertility um, with men. There has to have. Uh, there has to be. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. But where That's is it? And why, why is that not the headline every time? We should be able to have access to protecting ourselves, absolutely, um, from things that, but, but so should my boys when yeah. they grow up. Because yeah. just like I tell Adrian, nobody's pure perfect and nobody's pure evil. We all live in between. And we're going to make choices that on that sliding scale be great to stay on the better half, but you're going to, and that's going to happen. And that doesn't just like, you know, slapping his brother in the stomach because he was laughing at him yesterday, kind of out of anger. That doesn't define his life. Every choice you make, I don't think defines, but, but it would be wonderful to be able to protect them too. So yes. I think that's something I'd love to see at least become a conversation, if not like an actual thing. Mm-hmm. And then I, I hope that people just talk and talk and talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be so mad at my mom because she would talk so much and she would tell people exactly how she felt. And it was so embarrassing because I grew up in the Midwest and people don't do that. But guess what? Instead, they get ill mentally because they don't do that. And I really hope that we can be more like my mom. (laughs) That is something that her issues with mental health, I think, allowed us to see. And there was, of course, a lot of negativity. But the positive, my mom has never stopped working on herself and she has never stopped talking. And if you're the lucky one that gets to sit next to her on a plane, don't worry. You don't need to go to therapy. (laughs) 
And on that note, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate your honesty. We appreciate the books, what you're trying to accomplish. I think it helps everybody. It helps the generations coming forward that are more honest. And it also helps those generations that felt like they didn't have a platform to speak on. So thank you for all that you're doing. We truly appreciate your time. Well, thank you for talking about it because this is how we have to keep making sure everybody knows that their story deserves to be told as well. Every single story deserves to be told and deserves to be allowed grace, uh, both from themselves and from other people. Um, so hopefully too, people can learn if, you know, if you want to judge me for my choices or my, my life, that's fine, but it's part of me, you know, and that's the other power is they hear they like, maybe they liked me on dancing with the stars. Well, you don't know me. You have no, you see me for two minutes. Like you don't know the complexities. And we do that in our lives too. We're all some sort of branded channel running around that people think that we have to be one thing or another. And I hope that this book and and these conversations can make us look at a person and realize there are layers of identity inside of there. And so instead of the judgment coming first, maybe we can say, let me get to know another layer of your identity and help, you know, and that connection and the communication, very old school way is to, you know, even if it's online, but I think in person is, is very helpful. That is so very, very uh, helpful for our mental health and wellness going forward is just get to know your neighbor, <laughs> you know, get little to know eye con- a little eye contact, a little versus, eye contact. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It never hurt, but it's true. I think, I think our, the generations, our kids and your kids, especially because our kids were on the cusp of the internet. Like they just, they mm-hmm. were the first generation to use it. Your kids, it's all here. It's all mm-hmm. instant gratification in the phone. And that's a scary world to grow up in, you know? Oh, it's wild. But we haven't let them have any technology because we've been like the all or nothing people. And I think that's the only way to go when they're that young and four and six. And my six-year-old is now in kindergarten. He came back after the first week and he was so mad at me. He said, all the kids know how to use the iPad. And in the maker's class where they do like the coding and the, he's like, I don't even know how to open it. I'm so embarrassed. Like you, I said, well, I'm sorry. Um, you'll learn. It'll take two seconds, which it yeah. has, but I, you know, the watching how, even with just making it in the maker's class, which is a wonderful use of technology. And that's exactly what it should be for. He wants to do it at home now. He's like, can we get, you know, and I'm like, right. To play the maker's thing would be great. Um, but no, we're still not going to do it at home. And he, this is the fight has started and it's at like, six. How, at six, how do you protect them from the rest of it? We're trying to not do robotics and coding over here. Like that's the easy. <laughs> I'm like, you'll learn that later. Oh, and yeah. like, but I don't know. We haven't made, you know, I think so far, and I've had the best compliment as a parent is when someone tells me your kids really know how to converse and have eye contact. That's not doesn't seem normal for young kids anymore. And that's why, because they've never had one in their hands. The only thing they know how to do is take a picture, which we've let them do. And they do enjoy that. But I find that to be more like art, you know, yeah. there's, there's something to that. And they love mm-hmm. filling our photo phones with it, but uh, <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. So we'll have to, yeah. we'll have to have you back on to talk about <laughs> yes. that. I am no expert. I have no idea what I'm doing. Just keeping oh. it away. <laughs> you will, I, I don't know if we any do of not. us do. Any of us do. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, we hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ginger Z as much as we enjoyed it. It was such a refreshing, open and honest conversation no holds barred. And we just appreciated it. 
everyone can relate to some experience she's had in her life. And she has channeled all of this life experience into helping promote positive mental health in our country and in, around the world, really, but in our country. And wouldn't that be really nice if mental health was treated as it should be, which is just yes. like diabetes, heart conditions. It is yes. a condition that is invisible, but mm-hmm. can do so much damage. So we appreciate her honesty. If you want to catch this um, on video, then you can check out our YouTube channel. We have part one and part two will be up there. Thank you guys. We truly appreciate every person that takes the time to listen to this podcast. We hope that you walk away feeling a little less alone, a little more educated on a topic or engaged with the community. We are always available by email, hotflasheskooltopics at gmail.com. Please email us with topics, ideas, or just thoughts that you had on a particular episode. We love to hear from our listeners. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you next time. (music) 